Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to Cocoons of Horror, a podcast that revisits classic horror and other pulp fiction. For the finale of our second season, Steve and I review Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Just a couple housekeeping notes. Steve and I will probably be back with our third season of Cocoons of Horror after HBO's House of the Dragon runs its first season. If you'd like to spend some time with us during that hiatus, check us out over at Double Dragon. Secondly, if you haven't been listening to our Perfect Stranger Things podcast, we are indeed re-watching the latest season of Stranger Things on the Dungeons and Demogorgons feed. Okay, let's get into the film. Here is my friend and yours, comic Steve Osborne. Steve, is there any iteration of you in any corner of the multiverse that has a ponytail? Oh, uh... It has to be the worst version of of anything. <laughs> You're saying there's a chance, though. Uh, there's always a chance. One thing I've learned from the multiverse is uh, you can't you can't you, you can't expect anything. You know, I mean, it's I well, I have a lot of opinions on a multiverse, <laughs> multiple opinions. <laughs> well, let's start with ponytails. Uh, so we see a, a version of Doctor Strange with a ponytail. Yeah. Um, I'm, <laughs> this is like, if not the very first scene, like one of the very first scenes of the movie, right? Right. Immediately you're forming an opinion, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching, I'm going like, all right, uh, this one better die. <laughs> Which, you know, you got your wish. Now, here's another question. Have you ever seen a zombie with a ponytail? That, I, well, that's an interesting one. I don't know that's if That's a different seen... brand of horror. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah, there's just certain types of things I won't allow myself to watch. We've been talking about zombies lately. We've talked about headless zombies and horny zombies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I didn't think that we'd be talking about ponytail zombies, but... Um, here we are. Yeah, no, it was uh, interesting that um, in all the multiverses, he still has to have sort of a, a rakish goatee. Mm-hmm. Now, I will note, watch this with my son, and he noted that the statue in the Illuminati universe, mm-hmm. the statue did not have the goatee. So I don't know if that's revisionist history. Like, like we, we know that he did have a goatee, but... Uh, right. In order to sort of make him look more heroic, we got rid of the goatee. Right. Yeah, that could be like you know, kind of the Lincoln Memorial. 
Right. I mean, we chose to put the uh, the classic Lincoln beard, which is is, is the Lincoln beard the uh, the moral opposite of the Hitler mustache. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I have feelings about the Lincoln beard. I think it's very specifically it works for Lincoln. But if you ever go to a tree auction in Ohio <laughs> and there's an Amish fellow, or I mean, he may be Pennsylvania Dutch or Mennonite or something, but if he has that beard, he will frighten you. And, and in a way that Lincoln never frightened anyone, vampire or not. Um, so wait, you're telling me that Pennsylvania Dutch is not a sex position? <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not saying that at all. Okay, I want to make sure I'm using it right. <laughs> I'm thinking it has multiple definitions. Now, I want to. I want to make sure that, for the record, people know I don't have a problem with ponytails. This is something that's, that Steve is sort of a Steve-specific opinion, um, and I don't know whether you were, you know. I don't know, you were shouted at by a angry man with a ponytail or uh, what happened in your childhood, but... I would just say that by and large, like I'm, I'm not going to paint with a broad brush, but given my experience with, with the, the, the men with ponytails that I've had in my life, mm-hmm. those experiences uh, were lacking. <laughs> oh, lacking. You're just, you're just not impressed. It's not like you have any kind of deep-seated hatred for men with ponytails you're just unimpressed with them well there's that yeah i mean there's there's usually in my experience again this is my experience i'm not saying that if for all of our ponytailed listeners i'm sure you're the exception i've just been uh i've just been in uh, unfortunate to have run into some of the worst of the ponytailed uh community Mm -hmm. to the point where i go well maybe this is this is what happens like maybe so Samson's hair brought a certain amount of strength. You're saying that the ponytail is the problem. It's not the result of a personality. But that's what I don't know, right? So this is this is one of those great experiments, right? Where it's like, did the when the ponytail came into when when the decision was made to grow the ponytail, were they maybe they were better people prior to the ponytail, but something happened and they said, "Well, I want to grow this ponytail out." And in that process, um, they were going through a change, or the ponytail itself, mm-hmm. once it started to form caused a change um it's sort of like the experiment i want to do about um about smelling your own poop (laughs) oh good i'm glad we went here it only (laughs) it only took us five minutes but now we're here sure (laughs) let's hear the experiment well so the the experiment is to find out if because i mean we can all endure our own filth like the smell of our own filth um, you know, you can just be on the phone, you can read it, you do a crossword, read a book, whatever, and you're not disgusted by it. Um, you notice it, I mean, you certainly know it exists. So the question is, are we biologically inclined to, to handle our own, uh, stink <laughs> or, or is it purely contextual, right? And the, and the easy way to experiment with that would be like, I would say, Anthony, I would like you to poop on this plate and I would take that plate and I would have other. Why does it have to be a plate? Can we make it? How about like a Petri dish? It's a plate. <laughs> this is, it makes it's, it so it's much worse. It makes it's always a plate. It makes it so much worse. 
<laughs> so, All right, so so you, and then, so you get me to poop on a plate. Now what happens? Yeah, and then I go, and then I go into another room and I mix up some plates, right? And I mean, I, I I've labeled them because I'm a scientist. <laughs> You're doing like three card um, bounty with poop plates. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, find your own poop. Fine. And then you, know, you sit, and I, I think ideally I'd have you blindfolded because I don't want you to be like, no, no, I recognize that, you know. <laughs> That that one's got that one's got baby teeth in it or whatever. <laughs> oh god, know. god, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> See, and I so, should have known and, bringing up ponytails would bring out the worst in you. <laughs> so then you would then we find out like if you would just like maybe you would if you were repulsed by all of them then it's like okay then it's purely contextual. Or if you're like ah, this one's not so bad like maybe oh and, and it turned out to be yours and maybe maybe there is something biological about it. <laughs> And this is, and then you take this information, and then mm-hmm. you try to somehow channel that into like world peace or something. All right. Well, I mean, I can't stop you. I, I as much as I as much as I could try, you're going to do this experiment with or without my blessing. Right. Uh, so well, and that, and essentially that's what I was trying to say is that like, is the ponytail does the ponytail cause someone to physically become more obnoxious? At least from my experience, mm-hmm. or is is a person that's obnoxious also like to, to grow a ponytail. Mm-hmm. Well, if this movie is any indication, you can become murderous with a ponytail. I think I think the movie was trying to basically taking a, a, a leap off of my <laughs> experience, right? <laughs> I mean, they're like, how do we how do we differentiate the murderous mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Strange? Because I mean, you know, typically you would have like the goateed version would be the villain. But in this one, like, well, the good guy's already got the goatee, so what would we do? Well, could you lose the goatee? No, you can't do that. Um, but you could give him a ponytail. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, yeah, that's easy, for sure. I'm going to ask you a question that may you might not be prepared for, but I think it will mm-hmm. yield an interesting answer. Uh, more interesting than no, that. No, not, not more interesting than that, but I'm hoping uh, more... To, to, to get off the topic. <laughs> more palatable, at least. <laughs> Uh, what is your relationship with Danny Elfman? Uh, he's he's uh, from Oingo Boingo fame. Yeah, that's right. And um, he is like a prolific music guy in Hollywood. Oh, sure. Uh, really came on the scene uh, in, with the Tim Burton. Uh, you might know him from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got over 200 composing credits for films. Uh, he's done, you know, soundtrack with, for a bunch and this film, um, you know, just, just a lot with music happening in this movie. There's a music fight. Music fight at the end. Um, yeah. What's your, what's your feeling about Danny Elfman? It's interesting to, to, to think of composers that, um, like you recognize their work, like mm-hmm. maybe a John Williams, you might recognize, but almost you would almost recognize it um I'm trying to word this correctly like maybe maybe approach as opposed to style whereas elfman seems so like you almost always know an elfman i don't i'm not a, i'm not really, oh, really good at this but i do know that there have been several times when i'm watching credits thinking i really like the score of that movie i i really enjoyed that particular aspect of the movie and then not being surprised that it's an elfman joint Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I would recognize an Elfman joint just without knowing it, but I do recognize the name as having done lots of interesting work 
So when he was attached to this movie, I thought this is this will be interesting. I'd like to see what happens with this. And I think that of all of the Marvel movies I've seen, and I think this is like 28th or whatever, this one has some interesting musical choices that I'd like to walk through, if you're willing. Sure, sure. No, I think, and I think, because I think Elfman has almost, even when he's doing maybe a little bit darker themes, like there's still a, like a, almost a layer of whimsy. Well, that's what I was going to say to begin with, because I was, what I had heard about this film was that, and this was long before there was any trailers out or anything like that, was that Marvel's going to put forth its first horror, horror in the MCU. And I don't think that, that that's what this movie was. It was a pretty standard superhero movie, I think. Um, with horrific elements, right? With hor- yeah, certain homages, absolutely, to horror. But your, your villain's a witch. There you go. Yeah, all of that. So when I first started watching it, I thought, this music is trash. Like, this is total... And also, the monster was kind of cartoonish. Like, the... Like the octopus, everything about the first sequence of this film, I felt like pretty whimsical. And it wasn't until a little bit later on in the movie that I realized, oh, that was a conscious choice. There's something mm-hmm. that's happening with the musical progression and the, the darker tone. It's changing throughout the film to make it progressively more horrific. And then, of course, you've got the music battle at the end which I think is a very clear indication that this was sort of a conscious effort to put forth a, a, a kind of the kind of palette that might be interesting to people that follow musical stuff. You know, and, and Sam Raimi is the, you know, he's, he's had some fun with music moments before um, much to people's uh, dismay. When you think of um, Spider-Man three, there's, there's the uh, as as Peter Parker starts turning a little darker. Uh, there's that music kind of sequences that are very uh, right. They're they're musical, and, and I people think tend to that, dislike them. That's not. I mean, that's not atypical. You want to mu- you want to use the score. You want to use needle drops. You want to use um, you want to use music to get people to emote. Right. You want to evoke a feeling. And you often will do that um, with with the music, right? It's just that in this film, I think that they were trying to do something interesting. I think, and I don't know if they pulled it off, but I think that there was a reason why I felt like those first ten minutes were really hokey. It's because they were consciously choosing hokey music, and then as the movie goes on, it starts to get a little bit more interesting to me. And I think it has to do with this progression throughout the film. And uh, so I think it's interesting. I think that this is an interesting Danny Elfman movie. Um, and I think I almost appreciate this more than some of the Sam Raimi choices. But I think you maybe have a different relationship with Sam Raimi than I do. Yeah. So Evil Dead... Uh, you know, cult classic, of course. Um, it's uh, it, 
followed by Evil Dead 2, which is kind of almost, it's it picks up not just where Evil Dead leaves off, but it's sort of like in the middle. Um, and I think it had to do with some of the movie rights. And so mm. they, they sort of reshot some things. Um, and then it becomes, then eventually turns into uh, Army of Darkness. Right. Which sees right. your hero Ash uh, in medieval times, which I guess was originally supposed to be called Medieval Dead. Um, which is, uh, that's a, why not? Why not? Why not? I know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, and it's, so it's fun. It's super, you know, I mean, it's, it's a bit, a bit campy. Um, and, uh, but it, it's certainly entertaining. Um, and so I've seen those. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not like as much of an aficionado as some others. I mean, I've seen, I think I've seen them all once. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the Spider-Man for the love of the game. What? Oh, that? did he? Did he? That was the one. Costner was that the was that the, was that the, the perfect game? Yeah, movie. That's right. That's the yeah, Costner yeah, so yeah, baseball so, joint. Right, right. Yeah, he did. Drag me to hell, which was uh, which was pretty fun. So I felt like there was a lot about this movie that I really liked, and like I said, I think there's interesting musical choices. Uh, I did like the homages to, you know, lots of different horror films um, and including, including, you know, one, one specific Evil Dead cameo. Right. Uh, Watch it with my son. He appreciated the hat tips to it. Anyway, I, I enjoyed a lot of this movie. I think that overall it didn't quite move the needle for me. What, what was your sense? I was pretty bored. Okay. <laughs> uh, it took a couple of viewings. I fell asleep uh-huh. the first time around. Um, it's interesting because I liked the first one, the Doctor Strange film. Yeah, so um, did I. And there was something, and I, and I I tend to give Raimi the benefit of the doubt just because I, I I typically enjoy what he like, even if I don't love it, love it. I I appreciate what he's doing, and I tend to enjoy it. Um, this felt like, and I have no idea if that was the case. It felt like this is Sam Raimi, uh, working his way through the, the restraints of maybe the Marvel, um, hmm. uh, influence, because I know that this is, I mean, I know Marvel, you know, you add the Disney layer, right? So there's a Disney layer that, that is almost impossible to shake. And everybody's like, oh, Disney owns Marvel and Star Wars. And they call it the Disneyfication of, um, of these, of these stories. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's there. I mean, I definitely think that there's something present about it. I mean, it. I've certainly and liked it, a few of these movies post Disney. There's no doubt about that. Right. I think if nothing else, I mean, even if I think it's easy to critique, if you feel like it's not edgy enough, then it's been Disneyfied. Um, as if we, you know, don't realize the horrors of the racism and anti-Semitism of the cartoons back in the day. Um, <laughs> I do feel like fairly edgy. It's just there's more hands in it, right? There's more there's more voices in a boardroom when you start adding a Marvel layer and a sure. Disney. So there, that's where I think maybe if anything else, the 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 strength of of the producing um, influence is probably is probably more enhanced. Yeah, and I think. I mean, look, I think that the sort of the phase one, phase two of Marvel, I don't know if the heavy hand was was necessarily a bad thing. I think you needed someone at the wheel 
who kind of had the end game in mind. No pun intended. Um, because he wanted it. You, you were trying to do something that I don't think a franchise had done before. And, you know, coming coming to a single point from 10 different directions and having them all kind of inform one another. Right. I don't necessarily think a heavy hand is necessarily bad for the storytelling. Uh, but I do want the directors to have their own creative license within this, the, the particular story contained within those two hours. Yeah, and and you know, and this could just be. It just yeah, the, I I didn't I didn't feel like I maybe cared about as many things, um, and I and I may have I may may also have multiverse issues the mm-hmm. same way I have time travel issues. Sure. Because um, I'm like, all right, well, he proves that he's the same. I'm going to prove I'm Doctor Strange because I'm going to talk about my uh, deceased sibling. And I'm like, well, so what is the same in all these multiverses? <laughs> sure, you know, I, I was thinking and, the same thing. And then what is, what? like, I mean, clearly ponytails are, are a variable. <laughs> um, the, the skyscrapers can be kind of floating in the air on their side, but... That little part of his life is going to be exactly the same, you know. It's yeah. a, and that and that's like a like you know that's so that's what just seems w- weird to me is that then I'm like, well, what are these rules? Sure. Um, and so then I'm starting to as soon as I start asking those questions, um, like let's go back to Reanimator here. And, and Heather hated the movie, I think, about as much as you did. Um, but there was a moment in the movie where she had said, like, as as uh, the doctor's carrying his head around in a in a tray, it was like, well. He's got to get blood in that head, and then like the next scene, the, the you know the the body pours blood into the tray, yeah. and it was like, and I'm like, I'm like, huh? See, huh? you know, uh, got him. See, I and, was thinking, uh, how does he talk without lungs? This is very curious. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I was like, how is he horny when he's just a head, and the, the body could be horny? But... Well, it's interesting. I kind of feel the same way, and then afterwards. Because I watched this with both my kids. My daughter is 18 and my son is 15. And so I said, okay, tell me, you know, what what do you think? And so Nessa was basically saying, I loved America Chavez. It didn't feel performative. I think that they nailed that character. That was fantastic. And the other thing that she said was that she was really excited about the Agent Carter part of the movie she was just really excited to see agent carter right and then rewatching this movie the other day i was thinking this these may be my two least favorite parts of the of the film interesting and so i'm thinking one of the reasons is i almost feel like at times these movies are consciously trying to say hey look we can be progressive look at us we can be progressive you know uh, you know, love us. We're progressive too. Right, right. Um, we're not just a billion dollar company that wants your money. We we're also, you know, we also have a soul. But clearly they work. They clearly these things are working, right? Yeah. No, and, and I think the the issue is like I think maybe to to your point, and I feel somewhat similar, is like it does feel telegraphed. It's like here's a thing we're doing. Um and you know it doesn't take anything away from the story, but it does become it can become a moment where you're 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 seeing it, and now you're thinking of something else. The same thing I like when I talked about the multiverse rules. As soon as I'm thinking or talking about something else in a film, um, something's happened. 
and it's usually not good. It's either, or at least for my viewing experience, my viewing experience has changed where now I'm thinking about something else. Um, and that either means the thing that I'm, I'm talking about or thinking about is, is, is abrupt or out of place or the movie's not doing enough to keep me interested that I, I now I'm, now I'm opting to be distracted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that might've been kind of my thing is that, um, if I was more captivated and it's happened where like someone will have to like tell me things later, like, Oh, this didn't bother you. That I'm like, ah, I guess I was just so into the movie. It didn't even, I didn't even notice. Um, so let but me in ask this case, you this. Was, it just felt things certain. I don't know if it felt heavy handed, but just, it felt very clearly open handed. Here you go. Right. Let me ask you this. I kind of recommended for you to watch one of the episodes of the what if series on Disney plus. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that cartoon? Um, that I liked. I, I thought uh, a couple of things I liked about it. One is I think it, it's helpful to sort of revisit cartoons, a version of, of some of these characters, because it sort of helps me to maybe re- remember that like, yeah, these are, these are comic books. Yeah. That's <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs> it's, it's okay to, to, to have a little fantasy. Cause I, cause I gets one thing I did appreciate about, uh, if, if we have appreciated about Marvel. I think, is you know Batman and Batman lore has been tried, especially in this in the film, has been tried so hard to ground him in reality yeah. that that you, as soon as it starts to take a step into the into the sort of the surreal or absurdist comic book world, it feels like it feels jarring because it's and we I think we talked about this with Nolan's Batman. It's like well, you feel like you've really limited how much, like what villains he could face, right? I mean, the supernatural villains are almost out of the question. Um, and that becomes kind of restrictive. Yeah, right? well, there's it's, a conscious effort by DC, it seems to me, to try to bring a certain level of realism, especially to Batman, right? Right. Marvel has gone kind of the other direction. It's like, we know that we know that Thor is absurd. And right. let's let's just see if we can make this funny. And I'm I am all in for that. I'm totally in right, for that. Right. Um I do feel like I enjoyed the What If series, or at least most of those episodes, and I think that I enjoyed them more than this film. And I almost wonder, like, did we need this movie if some of the same themes were covered in that half an hour cartoon? And to my mind, maybe a little bit better. Right. Um, no, I think I think you might be right. Like, I, I felt I felt much more engaged and attached to to Dr. Strange's struggle in what if than I did anything on this. Mm-hmm. And, and I think maybe part of it is, is that we get introduced to a character that really does. I mean, for me, she felt more like a plot device, right? Like this character can open up the multiverse and that's why she's important. Um, I didn't. And I, she sort of gets thrust on the scene. And so I didn't really ever feel particularly, attached to uh to her being needing to be safe or well yeah yeah it's almost like her superpower is if ever she's in mortal danger she's going to always have an escape hatch in the shape of a star um yeah (laughs) so i i mean so it's like yeah whenever she's menaced that was not that was not helping me either the every star shape or whatever just it wasn't 
it, it made me. I don't know, it felt like it felt like cereal. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So it was. Yeah, how do you, how do you ever feel menaced? How how do you ever feel like this character is truly being menaced? If you know that her superpower is that, whenever she freaks out, she's going to have an escape hatch. Right. So yeah. So you were never really afraid for her. I don't think, uh, or at least I never really felt afraid for her. Um, I want to talk about a couple things that I really liked in this movie. I like the Wanda inside people's head element. Like I kind of feel like that makes her a really interesting superhero and supervillain so much more than any kind of energy blast. Right. I don't know what these energy blasts do. I don't know how much damage they inflict. Uh, I don't know when shields are supposed to work and when the shields are weakened. And Mm. it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why she didn't fly all the time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so this is the thing. I like that that's very uninteresting to me. What's really interesting to me is when she gets inside your head. And I think you can do some very interesting horror stuff by just manipulating people's sense of reality. Right. I thought it was really cool to kind of pit her against Dr. X. I thought there's That was yeah, I like that. Some fun stuff there. I wish they would have done more of that. So anytime that she was using kind of her whispery witch powers, I was super interested. I wish they would have done more than that. Anytime she's using her energy blasts, uh, ready to take a nap. Yeah, and and that's where I I would definitely say that the superhero fatigue for me comes into play. And so that's just it's just a tough one. Uh, And that's where I think the fatigue comes in. I mean, even even when Jim Halpert shows up, I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> I, I want to talk about I want to talk about the Illuminati. Uh, so I was watching this a second time, and it was for my son. It was a third time. I was just trying to write down who these characters were because I I don't know this element of comic book lore. I don't know who all these characters are. So I just I'm pausing the pausing the television, rewinding. And uh, so I can get the names. And my son is watching me do this. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this is really cringy. (laughs) It's sort of like, I guess you could watch anything six times. And then then it's going to start to seem cringy. True. Um, That was a really unfortunate scene in my mind. (laughs) Like, if you wanted to introduce these characters and make them seem like badass characters for future movies... Don't introduce someone by saying, and now the smartest person in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what is this? What is this little display that you're putting on to impress Doctor <laughs> Strange, who you want to kind of throw in prison forever anyway? <laughs> right. right. Uh, yeah, then... it was. It definitely was. Uh, this is where the fan service moment trumps the narrative because we've all been you know the the internet's been in a in a whole frenzy about wanting to have uh you know halpert Mm -hmm. as uh uh as reed richards and uh and so so you have a moment where you definitely are going to get the fans Mm -hmm. to go oh man you know (laughs) 
<laughs> the funny thing is that people are more excited that it's Jim Halpert than it is Reed Richards. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's part of it too, right? I mean, like everyone's like, what do we want him to be again? <laughs> uh, so you have this thing happen and then you don't need all the, the bluster that goes along with it, right? Um, just bring him in. and Well, and, it's and the bluster. Him. And this has a nice analog to the politics stuff we were just talking about, right? So I have progressive sensibilities, all right? I'm not going to be offended if you want to bring in some rainbow flags or whatever you want to mm-hmm. bring in. Um, but I don't want to feel like it's, I'm being force-fed. I don't want to feel right. like it's sort of on the platter like my own feces. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to feel that way. In the same sense, parallel to that, I'm a big X-Men fan. I want to see Dr. X in one of these movies. Totally Mm -hmm. excited about it. But I feel like you're bringing him in with that music. It's sort of a grand reveal. I start to feel like I'm being force fed. Yeah, I mean, if you bring him, like, it's not like you're going to not notice that Patrick Stewart <laughs> is there. Right. So it's not, and it's not like it's a small part. I mean, it's smallish in the grand scheme of it, but it's not like it was a, a blink and you'll miss it thing. Sure. Um, yeah, this is not clear the Millennium on. Falcon on, on the heliopad or whatever, right? <laughs> right. So just, so, so, ha- so have it work in organically. And the fans will, the fans will still, you'll still get that moment. But I mean, if you're, if you're waiting for people to be like, is it, is it going to be, is it really going to, oh my, you know, then Mm -hmm. again, now you're, so I just talked about things that like sort of took me out of the film. And then the film was like, no, I I think I want you to be taken out of the film a little bit. So it becomes, it becomes harder to, because then it, then it feels, if everything starts feeling so staged, then you start losing some of the drama and and again, I know I'm watching a movie about a guy with magic hands. I I, I should should probably allow for a certain amount of of, of cheesiness mm-hmm. or or something. But but I didn't. It, it, those moments just felt so unnecessary, right? Like it, it, I mean, if you're gonna do it, lean into it, right? Like have a moment where when Doctor X comes around, everything just freezes and it just goes Patrick Stewart. <laughs> If you're going to do fan service stuff, you have to do it in a way that makes it integral to the plot. And that whole Illuminati thing was sort of like, it was kind of a B, it's kind of like a, a side room. It was almost like, it felt like a side room. It felt like, yeah, okay, I mean, now it, we're going to do this just to kind of thrill you. I feel like if you're going to do fan service, it can't feel like fan service. Yeah. Because what happens is, is here, I'm going to introduce you to these characters and at, at the, at the, best what we're showing is that the scarlet witch can handle all of these great characters but i'm like i don't know if these people are great you just introduced me to them <laughs> right. you know i don't i don't know how i don't know how great reed mm-hmm. richards is he's the smartest man ever okay you're kind of burying well, the lead there he can stretch like i i mean i know yeah. a lot of smart people i don't care i don't care how smart he is i want to see him being super stretchy right. i want to see him i mean yeah yeah, and see, and this is maybe where the difference of, of fandom is, right? I mean, for a lot of people, it was like, oh my gosh, we're going to finally get Krasinski as, as Reed Richards. Like, they listen to our prayers, our internet prayers. And uh, and I'm like, hey, I've yet to see a good version of the Fantastic Four. How about that Four. first? <laughs> and, and then I'm like, and then you're still doing it. You're, you still did it. <laughs> you, 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 
you gave me the guy that everybody wanted, but you still haven't given me the guy <laughs> that he's supposed to be. Can we just all agree that this is not going to work? Like, I know, I know it's an important element of the Marvel Universe. The Fantastic Four introduced Spider-Man. We all know this. It has been, how many times has this been tried? It can't be done. It cannot be done. And I think that's why we're seeing the slow play. Um, Because it is going to be hard to be like, all right, well, Jim Halpert's going to what? Can you turn him into a volleyball net if you need him to? (laughs) All right. uh, I'm just... Which, by the way, that's how I think you could fix the movies, right? Like, if you have it where it just, like, he just, in, in a pin, like, he con- they're constantly, mm-hmm. it's like in a time of peace, so he's constantly being stretched for things that he doesn't really want to be stretched for, but mm-hmm. like, oh, we forgot a tent, and, you know, so he's got to provide shelter for the thing. <laughs> I wonder if, okay, just tell me if you think I'm right about this. I think you cut out maybe the first 10 minutes of this movie. Maybe you reduce this so it's a 90-minute movie. Do you think there's a good movie in here? Do you think that like they just cut it differently? This would have been a lot better. Oh yeah, I I do I I actually think the motivations of the Scarlet Witch were were kind of compelling, and I think that there was something about that type of a villain that should make a movie yeah, yeah. like this work, right? I mean, I, I think I think it's you know going back to the Batman thing. I think one of the problems we you know. They've done Two Face twice in in the films, and I feel like they've gotten it a little bit wrong. They got a lot wrong the first time with Tommy Lee Jones, and then a little bit wrong with the Aaron Eckhart version, just because um, the whole point of Two Face and the Batman dynamic is that Batman knows him before he was, you know, split mm-hmm. personality, and they want to redeem. You know, redemption is is the goal there more than it is yeah. defeat, and so. I think there's there's that same element here, and I, I think they do a pretty good job of that. Where it's like this is this is a villain that um, you're supposed to somewhat be attached to, right? Well, and, and Marvel's had this problem, right? Stories. A lot of, there's a lot of Marvel villains that are just not great, and so the best part of these movies is when you pit these guys against each other. And so I liked this idea. Like, yeah. Scarlet Witch is really powerful and menacing to Doctor Strange in an interesting way. So anyway, right. I yeah, I think that they, this could have been done better. I think lean in, lean into the darker elements, right? And 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 I don't know. Yeah, and that's what I thought this yeah, was going to do. Like even the darker, like even the zombie version of Doctor Strange was like it felt like quick get to the blasts, quick get to the loud noises. Um, and all the more psychological or even, you know, sort of cultish type things that you could have really done, um, sort of took a backseat to get to sort of the typical battles. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's where I think when I talk, talk about superhero fatigue is that the, that's, you know, the, the critic, if the criticism was, you know, and I, what my son said, it's like, oh, it feels Disney fight. I'm like, mm, I think maybe if anything, it might actually be Marvel fight, uh, in the way that it's it's trying yeah. to maintain like hey if it ain't broke don't fix it if we start going too far off the uh the regular path then we might start to alienate or lose some of our of the fans you know the ones that you know the ones that brought us here basically um well i do like the idea i, I thought it was an interesting for him to kind of dream walk into a, his own corpse right. 
Uh, that's that's interesting stuff, and I like that he's using this the 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 souls right, of right. the dead to create a a, a sort of a, a cape for himself. I, I was I was definitely, and I made the, made the mention in the movie. I'm like I looked over at Heather and go, ah, I'm now I'm getting into this. She's like, there's 20 minutes left. <laughs> So I I looked at my son because he was sort of noticing on third watch. He was noticing a few things that he wasn't too happy about. And we both kind of looked at each other and like, yeah, that's that's pretty badass. And uh, but of course, he's going to go and fight for CGI ogres. Right, right. For CGI ogres that these I know that they're supposed to look menacing, but there's nothing about these. CGI creatures that doesn't make me think you will be defeated within the next 90 seconds. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just... And that's the thing. So then that's when it comes down to, too. It's like, okay, uh-oh, you gotta go fight these brute force monsters. Like, well, that's not what I'm really looking for. Right? I mean, at this, <laughs> yeah. especially if you're dealing with something that has to do with with uh there's a psychological your villain is going through a very psychologically significant turmoil and issues right i mean that's really what you're battling so okay and she has power that that's that's interesting but to me the the idea that like but yeah but she's now uh shrouded by by big old dumb ogres that can punch i'm like well, i don't care i mean it doesn't move me right i mean it doesn't do it for me um and also, it's like, I know he's going to win that, but I mean, there's like, so what? Exactly. <laughs> so, and so, the, it, but so when those, so when those scenes are built up and fall flat, kind of like the introduction of the Illuminati and then that whole battle that ensues, I'm like, I'm just, I'm sort of out. And, and the thing, and, and that's so when you talk about, is there a good movie in here? I'm like, yeah, I think they actually had a foundation of a, I think they had a, a compelling villain with compelling motivations um, you have the ability to really do something with the America Chavez character more than just sort of having her, like I said, it feels like at times just sort of a plot device. Yeah. You know, here's, here's this introduction of this, of this female hero with these powers and we sort of, you know, sort of, sort of fall into the same, you know, classic, uh, fairy tale type tropes, right? Like, oh, you know, she's kind of like now she's sort of a sleeping beauty type situation or she's caught up in here and she's always needs to be rescued. And even, you know, maybe she needs to be sacrificed. Oh, no, like everything was still through the, the power of, of Dr. Mm-hmm. Strange or whether his, uh, his magic powers or his superpowers or just his, his willpower, if nothing else. Okay. Um, what do you think happened to Wanda at the end? Do you think this is the last of Wanda? No, I don't think so. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's how they would dispatch of the character. My daughter said I. Uh, she thought it was a, a a nice conclusion to her story arc, and I kind of felt like, oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know that this is the end. I think if they want to, if they want to end her there, I guess that's fine. Um. Now that you've opened up the little Stargate into the multiverse, you can always bring back some version of Wanda, right? Uh, right. Well, that, that's the other part, too. I mean, but now you've got now you have the multiverse. I mean, you, you can, can do whatever you want. Because the question, yeah, right. And so the question becomes is like who's who's who and what multiverse? I mean, like we saw with um, uh. Uh, Spider-Man, you know, I mean, obviously there were there were multiple Spider-Man that were not Tom Holland, whereas 
Doctor Strange, they're all Benedict Cumberbatch, as far <laughs> sure. as we know. Well, they did have um, – that's true. They did have a uh, Captain Marvel who was a different actress in this film. Um, mm, yeah, it's true. All right. Um, is there one tweak that you would make to this movie to improve it? Uh, yeah, um, to do it better. Uh, um, <laughs> but I, I think we what we just talked about, like the uh, less emphasis on, on, on the big and maybe a little more emphasis on the small. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would try to cut it, this thing down. I think that there's a good movie in here. Um I do feel like it would have been really fun to see more mind games. More mind games, less yeah. fewer energy blasts. I think that would have helped me a lot. Maybe a bigger role well, for the Illuminati, really I don't know. Yeah, or not at all, yeah. really. Do I it right or don't do it. Yeah, I think I think that's that's key because then you actually have more movie to work with if you want to keep the same runtime. And like because you have multiverses and you do have mind games going on, you can really I mean you could play with a very confusing uh, story, right? Like you could really confuse the the reality of all the the characters involved. And so there was an opportunity there that and maybe you got I mean maybe that would get getting too complex and you're just like all right, well the easiest thing to do is just have a bunch of lasers, I guess. <laughs> Uh, is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard movie? I feel like this might be the uh, first uh, properly Howard movie. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, say more about that. Well, because I think when we talk about Howard, I think we feel like... Uh, I'll compare this to Solo. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a good comparison. And because I, I think that there's some because because Solo I think is is it's visually cool I think there are moments I think there's a good story in there but I don't feel like enough was done with with the uh, the arsenal hmm. right I mean you have a lot of things at your disposal you have lore and you've got uh, legends and you've got uh, mystic powers and 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 it sort of played it I think it played it safe yeah maybe so maybe so. So I was thinking like uh, I was thinking Howard minus one. Yeah, I think it's when you get into the different multiverses, and I just felt like he felt more like a multiverse tourist at times. All right, okay. So at the end of the movie, it's revealed that maybe the Darkhold has done something horrible to Doctor Strange. He thinks that he's sort of right. he's gotten away unscathed. But in classic horror movie fashion, there's a reveal right at the end, and you think, uh-oh, something horrible is, is sort of on its way, and it takes the shape of this third eye, right? Right. So do you think that we're going to meet a Doctor Strange who is a villainous Doctor Strange? Perhaps, and I mean, and that that would be interesting, and, and you know, I could have maybe done that in this movie. Right, that would have. Well, we did meet a, a villainous Doctor Strange. In this yeah, movie. but I mean, I, I but it was, who they it was were able to kill pretty easily, it seemed to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So he, the, it wasn't that big of a deal, and so I think, I think this movie could have been different if that, the the, the dark hole infects him maybe early on, and then there's a wrestling with that. I, it just, yeah, it just feels like. This is maybe a setup for something else, but it was a lot of setup. Mm, sure. 
Sure. Okay. Was there a uh, half the battle one to grow on moment in this movie for you, Steve? Yeah, keep keep that haircut uh, high and tight. <laughs> for me, it was you got to keep children who don't like bees away from bees. <laughs> <laughs>